Hi, everyone. This is Headcase. I'm here with Jack Leary. Hey. And Brendan Ayer. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so happy to have you. So, Brendan, you are a comedian. I am, yes. And I was introduced to you through our friend Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told me you have a very interesting story. I Yeah, it's, it's like... Um... I guess it is interesting. I um, I have dealt with mental illness my whole life, but from the time I was like 18 till 34, I was super healthy. Mm-hmm. Like no problems whatsoever. Just I was just on a very high dose of Lexapro. Okay. That's it. And I was my life was great. Right. And um and it interrupt me if there's any point you want to like not hear this, this no, story I'd love, or I'd love like to hear it all. ask questions. So basically in the spring of 2017, okay. I started to get kind of depressed again. So up to this point in my life, I had only at a young age, I was uh in my teens, I was uh kind of dealing with depression and anxiety. Okay. And um, in the in the spring of 2017, I was starting to get depressed again. Pretty much the all of 2017, late 2016, I was starting to get a little depressed again. Nothing major. Right. But I went to see a new psychiatrist, and she was, like, horrified at the amount of Lexapro I was on. Because really? I, I was taking double the maximum dose. Oh, okay. And she had this idea that that was dangerous, which it turns out that's, like, a dated idea it's not dangerous right. it's okay. okay i mean i wouldn't i'm not gonna be on this podcast telling everyone to take double right. the maximum <laughs> dose of lexapro it worked for you. yeah <laughs> yeah but it's not it's it, that they thought it was dangerous for a while they later figured out it's not dangerous right okay but she was kind of under the impression that it was dangerous and also like i played a part in this because i had felt healthy for so long right. that when she was like would you like to try you know, kind of going off this medicine and going on a lower dose of a different medicine, I was like, yeah, great. That would be great. Like, I, you know, I I felt so good for so long that I didn't even see myself as a sick person. And basically I went off Lexapro, went immediately, I believe, onto Paxil and Abilify, I think was the first thing that went on. And within, like, a month of... Going off the Lexapro, my world had fallen apart. I was sicker than I ever had been by by far. Right, like it was it was um, suicidal depression and anxiety to the levels I'd never experienced. Right, and so that started this sort of year long journey of like trying to find the right medicine combination of medicines, like to get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's uh so so that that June I attempted suicide. I hung myself. Oh wow. Yeah, I hung myself. I like um I just couldn't take it. It was it was mostly anxiety related. Right. And it was it was, <laughs> it was kind of funny looking back because like I I hung myself with a with a blanket but like uh I didn't realize how stretchy the blanket was so i hung myself but then i was just standing on the floor <laughs> and i had i had gone home at this point i was home at this point so i'm just standing on the floor but i had tied the knot really well right so i'm just standing there Stuck. and i had to be like mom <laughs> you know and she she couldn't uh i was like mom i hung myself but the blanket was stretchier than i thought and then like, she couldn't backfired. hear what i was saying so she goes i'm on the phone <laughs> so, I'm like, so i'm like okay well whenever you get a chance <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god! So then, so she Dude, you got to write that into something. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to work on a one man show. It's weird. It, it's hard. It's like I don't know. I, I will I'm definitely come see that. Or, yeah. or write it into a short or something. Yeah, that, that's just. Um, <laughs> but so, so, um, my mom's a nurse, and my mom's so is mine. My mom is like. Okay, we're going to the ER. Of mm-hmm. course, like that's the answer. You're go. You you tr- you just try to kill yourself. I know you're fine. 
physically. Yeah. Like I didn't because I like I, the blanket stretched immediately, so I didn't even have bruising right. on my neck. You're I was just, just she was like, there. I know you're fine physically, but you just try to kill yourself. We're going to the ER. Period. Yeah. So we went to the ER. I had no idea that if you go, I didn't understand that. You know, I was in this state of like. Close to like having having some psychosis, like some like real. I wasn't really in reality. wasn't really there very right. much. I it, um, and so I had no idea that if you go to the ER w- after a suicide attempt, and they say like, "Are you going to do this again?" and you say, "I don't know," or 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 like, "I don't think so," but maybe. I had no idea that they can just take you right, which. Is I think a good law, right? It makes sense. They it's hold a, all your words against you. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is great. I think it's important for people's safety. Absolutely. But at the time, I was furious because yeah. they're like, they were like, "Okay, well, you can't go home." And I go, "Well, I am going home." And they're like, "Well, no, you're not. You're going to the psych ward." And yeah. I was like, "No, I'm not going to the psych ward." And they're like, "Yeah, you are. I mean, we could get police here to take you there." But yeah. so that was the first time I went into the psych ward, and. um they – that experience – I think I was in the psych ward for like 10 days that time, and uh, that was interesting. I, I was still freaking out. They were, they were just trying different medicines. I was still like – I just – the anxiety was crazy, and it was mm-hmm. like I really ha- this time around had a hard time explaining it to anyone because it was um, – and this is why they th- they think there's like maybe a bipolar element because it's like anxiety that's not related. It doesn't get better. Like I, it doesn't get better anywhere. Right. Like it's not like I can go. I could go sit in my parents' living room and I'd feel better because I was home. Right. Or like there was no escaping. It was constant right. high level panic Crippling. attack. I panic attack anxiety that just wouldn't stop so it was like they weren't sure what was happening and i wasn't sure what was happening and so um they also found out uh, um i've been sober a long time i've been sober Mm -hmm. since i was 23 i had uh, i partied a lot and drank a lot when i was young and so i'd always been uh hesitant to take any benzos right. um, just just because of my addictive personality. But they were kind of like, listen, like, you need them. There's yeah. no – and so that's when they found out I have, like – I don't know if it's a holdover from when I was doing drugs. I don't think it would be after so many years. But I have, like, a huge tolerance to benzos, which is, really? an, which is really annoying because yeah. they don't – they don't work unless they give me like a huge, like they just don't work on me unless they give me a like huge a horse dose. drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. till I'm like, it's either like, it's don't work, don't work, don't work, and then I'm drooling, falling right. on the floor, you know? So, um, so like that psych ward, there was a guy in that psych ward that would, uh, he was a friend of mine and he was schizophrenic and he would, every day at breakfast, he would stand up. And he would say, uh, "They've put, they've put too much semen on my oatmeal," and <laughs> every day. And like my 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 favorite part was that he said too much. <laughs> it was a preferred amount. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody get this guy the right amount of cum on his you. oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to eat breakfast. <laughs> um, but uh, those are the guys that like kill me, like the. Man, I just my heart goes out to schizophrenics because it's like because like, you know, depression and anxiety and bipolar and all these things are brutal. But but to like hear voices and to just fully, you know, be detached from your own self. It's so scary. It's so scary where you just see like I this guy who would yell that my friend Matt. This was his first break, his first, really? which often happens. Like schizophrenia often doesn't present till you're like um, early twenties, right? Yeah. Sometimes later, even. And he was like a stud, like like tall, good looking guy, f- high school football star, yeah. like hot girlfriend, and like all of a sudden he's just like there's just these paranoid delusions in his head, and yeah. he's hearing stuff, and it's like, ah, oh, it's just 
it's so sad. It's almost it, unimaginable what, it, like, what that could be like. It's, it is. It is. And, and, and this is speaking from someone who's had serious mental issues. It's yeah. still that, that issue scares me so much. But so I got out of there and, uh, I, seeing a doctor, I kept, we kept experimenting with different medications. At this point, they're like mixing in antipsychotics. Mm-hmm. And I got a, a really bad case of a side effect called akathisia, mm-hmm. which is uh, a side of, it's like, it's cu- kind of common with antipsychotics. And, um, uh, you know when you're when you're a person with mental illness actually kind of across the board in medicine but particularly with people in mental illness they don't like to tell you the side effects yeah. because if they tell you them you'll psychosomatically right. think you have them right. you know so they purposely don't tell you them but this is one that I feel like they should tell you cuz it's it's brutal like you you um you feel like you need to escape out of your body and okay. you can't stop moving and you can't sleep and and wow. so and so the problem with it is that i just thought i had i had no idea it was a side effect i just thought i was getting crazier right you know so i was pacing my parents house for 6 days without sleeping and wow. just like in just brutal like agony and so then i went and like uh this doctor who put me on i think it was i can't remember the drug that gave me that side effect he wasn't great because, like, I couldn't. He was like kind of a high up guy in the, in this particular mm-hmm. hospital, and so he wasn't very attentive. accessible or attentive. So, like, finally, like, I finally got a hold of him. He was like, "Oh yeah, just stop taking that pill." And I was like, "Well, I've been in hell for six. I've been suicidal again right. for six days." Things kept being bad. I went into the psych ward. I, I went into a, a private um, psych ward that wasn't very good. And there they just they just like got real heavy handed with the Valium. Oh my god. And it finally worked. Yeah. That was the first thing that worked. The first break I had yeah. the first like re- like relief. relief I had in at this point like three or four months. It, and but it was like a s- huge amount of Valium. Like I was drooling like and that's when my mom came to see me and she was like this is crazy, and they she like did some research and found like this really good mental hospital that that accepted my insurance to some degree, and uh, and I went to this mental hospital um, and ended up being there for almost three months, wow. and it was okay that like being there felt good, but it, I don't think it really helped me. Okay, I got out. I came back to New York. I freaked out again. Um, came back to Cleveland, uh, got, I'm kind of making the story quicker now so you guys can ask questions and stuff, but came back to (laughs) Cleveland, (laughs) went back to Cleveland and finally they were like, okay, we've been avoiding this, but maybe ECT is the answer. Maybe shock treatment is the answer. So I had, uh, 17 sessions of, of ECT. And that didn't work. And that, and like the whole time they're like, I think you're getting better. And it's like, how, what? I'm telling you, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we they're should keep going. They're like, we should keep going. And I'm like, I don't think we should keep going. <laughs> Cause you just forget more and more stuff yeah. every time. You're and like, frying my brain cells. Yeah. Basically. And like, and I don't, I don't, I'm not anti ECT. I, I saw, especially in the mental hospital, I saw it save people's lives. Yeah. But it is, they're very clear. They don't, they don't lie to you. They do yeah. tell you, like, look, you're going to forget. You're going to lose memories. Like, yeah. you're going to just – stuff's going to be gone from yeah. your brain. And uh, it it is. <laughs> it really? is gone from my brain. But uh, finally, um, I don't know what got me better. I don't know if it's, like, time or the right combination of medicine. Like, before, before people – before there were psychiatric medications, like mm-hmm. except for schizophrenic people who unfortunately like just didn't get better, generally, I've read that they would when they would just back when they would just throw people in an asylum, you know, because yeah. there weren't medicines. 
generally people would just get better yeah. after like a year or a year and a half. Yeah. So that might have been what happened to me. It also might be the medications I'm on now. I yeah. don't really know. I just feel happy to be back doing stand up, back healthy. Yeah. Back like I don't have the anxiety. Like I, I like life is great. Yeah. It's just weird. I just kind of lost a year of my life to mental illness. Um and uh during that year I didn't I did not really have any hope of getting better. So it's just right. like now this is a gift. I feel great. Yeah. It's really um Thank God that blanket was stretchy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that's what's funny is like is like I I think it's important to yeah. say like like I wanted to die so bad. I needed to die. Right. And like here I am I don't know, uh, less than a year and a half later, and I'm on this podcast with you guys, and I'm joking about it. Yeah. You know? Like, it's funny. It's yeah. funny. So, like, if you're if you're listening and, and you have those feelings, like, just wait. Like, yeah. it'll be I – know, I know how hard it is. I really do. I've been there. I've been there more than once. I know how horrible it is. But just, just call someone and just wait, and it, 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 will, it will change. Like, yeah. it might take time. But it will change. Like it's not. It's Especially not. It's if you never permanent. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just. I. It, there's, there's. Um. Gosh, I just. Uh, I, I, I get, I get uh, really, really passionate about that. Yeah. I, like I, I, I feel so lucky that I didn't die, and it's like, uh, you know, just, just wait. Yeah. And and it'll get better. It'll get better. I can so so see that. Do you talk about any of this stuff in your stand-up material? Well, it's hard. I'm writing a one-man show. Uh-huh. It's hard to mix it in sometimes. Right, like, just casually you, throw in Yeah, just casually throw joke. in a suicide joke. Right. But I do. It, if the crowd's right, I do. Um, you know, because it's all – there's a lot of humor in it, you know? Yeah. like, And it, it's also, like, an important thing to talk about. Like, when I do make jokes about it, there's always, like – no matter where I am, there's always like two or three people that come up to me after the show and are like, "Hey, man, I've been in the psych ward." And they're like, "Hey, I tried to kill myself." Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's a pretty universal. It's more common than people think. Yeah. You know, like it's a it's a pretty universal experience that at, at least someone in your family or someone you know or has so been involved has has had some yeah. issues. I yeah. think psych wards in general are just really stigmatized too. Yes, because they sort of throw everyone in there all together whether you really need as much help as another person or not. And it's sort of un, uncharted territory. Absolutely. Well, a, a nurse in the psych ward told me one day, she said the biggest problem with psych wards is that they don't really, they almost never have the resources yeah. to separate people with mood disorders like me mm-hmm. from people who like, are schizophrenic to the point of being non-functional right you know and like it would make their job yeah and the patient's life much easier if they could if they had the resources to have separate facilities yeah. for people who are like because i'm like even when i was at like my in my depths like i could have a conversation and right. i wasn't like i wasn't like punching people or like you know like right. i was just i was just anxious and pacing like yeah. I, I could still talk whereas right. there's nonverbal people and people who are throwing chairs at people and mm-hmm. you yeah. know like um just a danger towards others yeah it? absolutely yeah. and there's people who are in there that that would be in prison if they weren't in yeah. there. like right. they use the psych ward as a like okay the jail is not one option or the other yeah the jail one. is not equipped to handle a person with these right. um issues so put them in the psych ward right. like it's this is the psych ward the first psych ward i was in was was the only place that was like a little sca- a little scary yeah. definitely a little scary um but also like you're all kind of in there together it's yeah. there's some camaraderie right you know i could see that i'm sure some some of the patients you know have their moments of clarity too even the really bad ones and they're sort of yeah and there's like i don't know there's like like this, this one guy um, was really sick. I don't know what was wrong with him, but this other guy, the chairs in the psych ward in the psych ward I was at were really heavy, deliberately so you don't throw them at right. people. But this one guy was exceptionally strong, and he was nonverbal. He didn't talk at all. Really? Yeah, he was. He was. Um, 
developmentally disabled. Like he was a person, like the nurse was saying, that ideally would be in a separate, would right. have a separate level of care. He picked up a chair and threw it at a woman who was probably like 85. He oh threw gosh. this heavy chair at her face. And this guy who was really sick, like dove across um, like 10 feet and like blocked the chair from this woman's face. Wow. And like people saw it and and no one said anything. Like no one did anything. And like this guy, he was like not well to do and he was kind of like really depressed and never really talked and was like you could tell his life was like rough and i was like no one's gonna say anything about this guy like yeah. like some of the nurses saw it no one said anything and so we they're next probably time, afraid yeah the, the next time we had this like a floor meeting mm -hmm. i was like that guy saved that woman's life like yeah. we gotta we gotta cheer for him and like everyone was cheering for the guy yeah. and he was so stoked like no one had ever clapped yeah. for him and it was like he I, did a good deed yeah he, he did a like crazy good he like yeah. dove and blocked this chair and I'm like everyone just sitting here acting like that's like fight or flight. normal here's this crazy guy who no one ever says anything good yeah. about and he did this wonderful thing and yeah. it's like I just I just wish there were more resources to like get individual care so you could right. be pointing out that kind of stuff yeah. like like Just hey great work on this yeah because like there's all everyone, everyone needs that yeah they need that they need someone to be like hey yeah maybe you're sick but like that was great what you did there. Yeah. Or like right. you know, you have a good heart, or you have a good. You're like, a good intention. person. Yeah, or like great picture you just drew. Yeah. you know, something like anything, like just, yeah. just, just compliments. Like, yeah. because I think a lot of the people, like I consider myself very lucky to have like uh, come from a loving family. Like yeah. I think a, a lot of people, when you're just in the general psych ward of a hospital, they they don't have that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people came come from the foster care system, come yeah. from. So they just don't have anyone, you yeah. know. Like and if they which do have family, maybe some of them have been like abandoned by them because they don't understand exactly what they're going through. Yeah, it's brutal. It's yeah. really, it's really sad, and it's also like, it's also like a little bit of an indictment of our, of the healthcare system in our country that, like, so the first psych ward was like crazy and fucked up. The second psych ward I was in, which was private but kind of cheap, was like a little better. And then when I got into the mental hospital, which at the time I was working a ton. I was on the road all the time. So I, I could afford uh, – like as a – comedians always have problems with insurance because you got to buy it yourself. You yeah. know? So, but at the time I had really good insurance because I was on the road all the time making good money. And so I was able to go to this really good mental hospital. Yeah. And like by the time I got to the really good mental hospital – you could just look around and it was like, it, first of all, it was no longer racially diverse. Yeah. You know, it was all white people. It was all like, like just as you move up the level yeah. of care, you can see that it becomes more and more exclusive and yeah. more and more exclusionary to the people that might need it. Like, right. like everyone, the, the, the mental hospital I was in was like such a great experience. Yeah. It, I don't know that it really cured me, but it was so like they had... All, like all sorts of therapy yeah. and activities and all this stuff and like that's what everyone needs like that's the kind of engagement that the everyone needs yeah and that should be available to everyone Absolutely. and it's just not it's, it's just... like the education system yes yeah very yeah exactly and it's just the resources are scarce yeah they're just not there yeah um i don't know what's this is this podcast is this all about uh, anxiety or oh, no, this health. is a sports podcast. Holiday episode. <laughs> you guys are just too polite. Yeah. To be like I don't know what this guy. Yeah. Is you didn't tell him. <laughs> he keeps going on and on about this. Guy. So who do you think's gonna win the Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just uh, let him go. He sounds yeah. crazy. <laughs> he just started talking uh, and we just went yeah. with it. Um, no, we. I actually. Um, um, I came up with this idea to do this podcast where I, I interview people with different mental health experiences or issues or yeah. diagnoses or non-diagnoses, whatever it is, from different fields, whether they have this or have experienced it from the outside or they're health professionals or they work with charities or whatever it is, yeah. just related to the conversation around mental health because yeah. it's so taboo. And right. I experienced a lot of mental health issues kind of the same time you did. Yeah. Um, 
which seemed like a prime year for a lot of people in their mental I, health I, issues. I do think it was something was happening. <laughs> something was in the water yeah. that year, but yeah. a lot was going on, and I sort of thought a podcast would be a good way to reach a lot of people without having to necessarily expose them too much either. They can open up and tell their story yeah. without being on camera right. or even writing. People don't re- People don't read enough anymore either. People right. like to listen, and I think hearing someone's voice and telling a story comes across so differently than than it would otherwise so i thought of it that way and it's just to you know spread awareness and even on the lack of education and resources as you said yeah even therapy in itself being so expensive for people who just want to talk to someone right right um so that's essentially where it came from when you hear people talk about mental illness it's usually like a 60 year old who's been through everything and now they're writing their like book about it. right yeah and it's 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 less common to hear people younger from the younger generation that are working uh, creatively or professionally and navigating through mental illness and through men, uh, keeping up with their mental health. And so I think it's just a good platform for people to talk about. Yeah, that's really what... definitely. And, it, and it's not like we're health professionals and we know no. exactly what we're talking about. I never diagnose anyone or give I give my opinions on things, right. but I never I just like to hear about it because I I mean, I know so many people going through so many issues with their mental health, even that they're not aware of. You can just pick it up after right. knowing so many people who yeah. have that that kind of thing. And I, I always feel like if that person was able to talk about what's going on in a, in a way that can reach people, it would help them. So. Or even like with your story, like we were laughing because it's darkly comedic, but right. it's also – a very honest and, and true experience that you went through for someone who's going through a dark time and maybe thinking about that, maybe just hearing you laugh about it or retell the story, you know, yeah. maybe that'll yeah, or even open just... them up to thinking about it in a different way or, or communicating what they're going through in a different way. Yeah. Or even just tell them like, my life is really good now. Yeah. Right. So like, had that worked, it would have been a real bummer yeah. because like I got better. Like, yeah. and, 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 and like, I mean, I, I, I literally felt like I, I, I didn't want to die. Like, I wanted right. to live. I felt like I have to escape yeah. this it's feeling. It's the only out. It's the you only have. out, you know? And, like, um, and, now, and now my life is great. Yeah. And, you know, I'm back on the road doing comedy and, 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 and dating and, you know, just like life is good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, it's funny. I, oh, oh, I never told you. So, my official, officially, what I have, my official diagnoses are. Major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, um, uh, panic disorder, bipolar type 2, OCD, and borderline personality disorder. And I told, I told my mom that because I was all mad, like six, six, six mental. <laughs> and I told my mom that. I go, Mom, this is crazy, right? And she goes, yeah, I never thought you had borderline personality disorder. <laughs> <laughs> so she was just on the board with the rest yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. But I then later, like my favorite doctor who like kind of kind of brought me into the light, who kind of I was with when I when I got better, my favorite doctor – like when I told him that, that those were the diagnoses I left the mental hospital with. Yeah. And he kind of laughed because he was, he's like this old school, like Freudian trained guy. Mm-hmm. And he kind of was like, I mean, maybe, but he was like, you're one person. You don't have six yeah. mental illnesses. Very you unlikely. Have, you have one illness that's, that has different facets to it. Like, and let, let's treat it like that. There's rather a spectrum. Than, yeah. He was like, you know, that he was like, it, it's easy to like, put you into six separate baskets but like the truth is like in reality you're dealing with one illness you know you're it's not it's not like we can just treat these six things separately so let's let's... any illness can manifest into some other thing if untreated yes yes break into some other yeah exactly psychosis or whatever it is right right but that's interesting i mean hey if i was put in a mental hospital who knows what how many labels you'd get that's when you what, come out? Like thing. if every person was put in somewhere. Oh sure. Like I think I think almost I think like if they really went through like the DSM or yeah. whatever that book is, I'm sure eighty five percent of people qualify in some Absolutely. way for some you'd mental. Come illness. out with something. Yeah. Yeah. I, Whether it's being a sociopath or right. if you don't come out some, with something, then that's probably yeah. yeah. Then you're like, <laughs> yeah. something's wrong. Yeah. I I had to do in the mental hospital. I had to do like. 
so many tests. There were so many tests, but it was like like old school stuff too. Like I did a, a like the Rorschach yeah. test, the yeah. ink blot test, yeah. which I didn't realize is two parts. Like you always see it in movies, and it's like. You say what you see, what you, see yeah. you know, but I didn't realize. Well, first of all, I didn't realize it's the same ink blots. It's the same 11 ink blots for every for test. everyone. Really? Throughout the world. Wow. The Rorschach test is just 11 or nine. Oh, they, or whatever. Haven't, updated. The same... they haven't updated those blots. No. And it's not like you can just do different blots. It's right. like these specific blots are the test. I guess that's the only huh. way they can manage. I... Right. Testing all these people yeah. on the same right. thing. Right. But so the second part of the test, which is really annoying that you don't really see in movies, is then you go through again and the doctor says, like, so explain to me why you saw a monster in this one. Mm-hmm. Like you have like Analyzing he wants you to one. he wants so he, he goes he takes what you said and then you have to explain to him why you said it. Oh, and it's hard because it's like yeah, because it looks like a monster. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you want like, me to say. Out. There's his head. Right. There's the feet. Right. Uh, <laughs> looking out at a cloud and being like, don't you see the dinosaur? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> You're like, find out in your childhood why that made you feel like right. yeah. you had to like, say Isn't monster. this your job? Yeah, you know, yeah. your job like, to tell me you, why I yeah, saw Yeah, you yeah. figured out. I don't know. I see a monster. <laughs> like, what do you see? Tell me see? why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you don't see that those two people are having sex, then something's wrong with you, doctor. Not me. Yeah. Um, so when did you get into stand-up and comedy? Uh, I started stand-up like eight years ago Okay. in Cleveland, and I very immediately moved to New York. I was just like, oh, I like to do this. I'll go to where you, I can do it's it a good, lot. Yeah. And I came here and uh, took a while, but then I, I started to have some success, and I uh, uh, you know, have, have done a few things on TV, which has been nice. And, yeah. uh, and then, I, then I was a little bit bummed to like – like last year was shaping up to be kind of a big year for me comedically, mm-hmm. and I just lost that year. Yeah. And for a while, that really got me down, even after I was better. Mm-hmm. But then I'm kind of thinking, like, I don't know, you know, it, things happen when they're supposed to, right. and 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 that that experience could be something that leads to, um, maybe opens my eyes to what I want to talk about more in in my stand-up or in, you know, I'm trying to write this one-man show, which I don't know how to do, but I'm working my way through. And, um, you know, it kind of of has presented its own opportunities and and also freed me up a little bit creatively because I was so caught up in, like, um, prior to last year, I was so caught up in, like, Oh, when am I going to get my next set on yeah, TV? Constantly moving. You know, when am I going to get my next like meeting with Comedy Central? Yeah. When am I going to get my next break? You know, yeah. and now I'm like, oh, I almost died. Yeah. Like, you know, like I thought I was never going to be able to do this again. Yeah. Like, I thought best case scenario, I was going to live in my parents' attic and play video games. Yeah. So, like, the fact that I can do this is great. It's a blessing. Like, it's, it's a blessing. And so now I'm like, I feel freed up. Like, when I do have a meeting, I'm not nervous. I yeah. go in there and I'm like, yeah, let me tell you what I want to do. Like, Which pe- <laughs> makes people actually want you more. I know. <laughs> because if when they sense you don't you don't care or they can tell that your your sense of caring is from a place of just I'm living my life yeah. and you yeah. can contribute to it or not and yeah. it's fine. People want that. Yeah. People oh, are attracted to that. Totally. I had this meeting the other day. And uh, I won't say who with, but I told this is really rude. I wasn't even th- I wasn't even thinking, but I, I just I just put my feet up on a chair. <laughs> Power move. Yeah. yeah, I put my feet like, oh, up serious. on a chair, and they all like leaned in, like <laughs> like whoa, no. <laughs> yeah. hey. who's this guy? It's like a, a subconscious yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like yeah. office space with the two bobs. You're just like, listen, I don't know if you've ever seen. Yeah, office, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the I don't give a fuck without Tell me why you want me <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, so life's good. I think everything happens for a reason in that in that way. I think if you were to not go through that and had to have been in that state that you were in while getting these good opportunities, it could have led to a a big downfall. Yeah, after. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. How are you? Uh, oh, I'm good. You're I'm good. good. I've I've been working on myself. I mean, yeah. I had really bad 
so I had a concussion and it unleashed this really bad um, anxiety and OCD and depression that I was kind of highly functioning with. Yeah. And then yeah. everything sort of became unraveled. And then I realized I had been suppressing it for so long that I just decided there was really nothing else to do except address it and yeah. then go see a therapist and all of that and just get to the bottom of it and yeah. get the medicine I needed to get and all of these things. And, and even after going through all of that without medicine and with medicine, I know I kind of learned about myself now. Yeah. So I, I get it and I'm more self-aware. So I know if I'm something, I know what's right for me, what's not right for me at this point. And I mean, I sort of had to like build my self back up after all of it became unraveled. Yes. Basically. So, yes. I mean, I feel fine now. I feel good. It's I mean, great. I definitely still work on myself. I, as yeah. It's an ongoing thing, but I definitely feel like a different person than I was even before the accident, which is great. I feel like this podcast must be helpful. Oh, it's very helpful. It's like th- another form of therapy. Yeah. It's great to listen to people tell yeah. their stories. And you, I can relate to every single person I've spoke to, even every person I've spoken to, even if it's someone completely different. It's so funny. It's like, it's like no matter how different our stories are, if you've had, if you've had any type of depression or anxiety or any, t- any type of like just limiting mental problem. Yeah. I can relate to you. Yeah. Like, like it, it, no matter how different it is, because it's just a, a I don't know. It's a, such a universal pain is so universal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that feeling of like that, that fear is, yeah. is so universal. It's also the fear comes from like, part of it is like thinking you're the only one that's going through it. Oh yeah. Alone in that. And realizing, like, no, every, every someone's been through what you're going through, or some yeah. version of that, yeah. and we're all kind of in it together in a, in a weird way, in different ways. Yeah. yeah. And so to be able to realize, like, okay, we're not alone in whatever thing we're feeling or thinking, right. is is important to be able to just get through it, or at least just talk about it. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're diagnosed with something, whether diagnosed or not, if you're, it's such an isolating thing to be, like, have a label slapped on you, but you don't realize how many people don't talk about how many times they're diagnosed or go through something that you wouldn't even know. And oh, you meet someone and you're shocked to hear that they have these, absolutely. these past, this past yeah. issues or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting about your concussion. I was, I was in the hospital with a current NFL player who mm-hmm. obviously I, I won't name, but, um, I mean, concussions had just really rocked his world. Just <laughs> took a tremendous, yeah. tremendous toll on his life. Yeah, and I, you know, and he was very forthcoming, and he said, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. I love, I love football, yeah. and my sons and and their sons are set for life if they if if they are responsible with our money like i i i made my decision yeah. but i mean he was just some i mean sometimes he was just not there yeah. like it was just and he also said which was interesting he said like you he, he said there's concussions on every play he was like you don't realize it because guys don't lay on the ground and they don't say anything because they're afraid to lose their job. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they go tell the doctor now or they go t- tell the trainer, all of a sudden they're taken out of they're into the concussion the protocol. protocol, which takes you know a week, and then some rookie has to play in their spa- space, and maybe he does better, and all of a sudden that guy's out of a job. Yeah. So they lie about it. He's like, "There's yeah. con- he was he told me he was like every single play in the NFL there's concussions, which is just, awful. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's wild. It's after going through that, and I fell oh, in November of 2017, but I fell on my chin. I was walking. I tripped, and it landed on my face. I didn't break <sighs> anything. I didn't break my jaw. I didn't yeah. even – I had, like, a scrape on my chin. That's pretty yeah. much it. But it didn't land on my hand, so it was fully impact. But I know my brain just slapped against right. my head somehow. Yeah. I had the weirdest side effects, like, leading up to the depression and anxiety – um, migraines, terrible migraines. Yeah. Um, screens were a problem, but not really movies or anything. Like yeah. I could, I could see those. That was sort of the only thing that I could watch to help my anxiety at the time. Yeah. Anyway, 
but it's I had like the weirdest rash on my arms one wow. day that I I was like where's this rash come from I googled it and apparently there was a correlation between a concussions and people with rashes and it was just all in my arms and then I was like well I need to go to a neurologist right away yeah. um and then I got all of the therapies for eye therapy vestibular therapy which is for your balance and yeah. all of that and it really helped but it it's so insane how much about the brain we don't know about and when you hit your head it's so much worse than just bumping into a table oh yeah it's just like it's crazy yeah and people even when people get in car accidents and they get whiplash their brain is not your brain's like floating in there it's not just like gonna stay still it's gonna move around so it's really interesting i learned how it affects so many people so differently but also um how it can really it does a weird thing with your memory too i mean i my my grandma had alzheimer's and dementia for a while she died recently and she was like 99 though so it was like later right later in life but i noticed with a lot of alzheimer's patients because i've worked with some of them before that they often go to a place of the beginning of their life if you notice that they'll often talk about you know things that happen really early in their life and they don't remember anything leading up to the day they had breakfast kind of thing. And for me, I almost had a weird memory issue too, where I, I felt like I had just graduated college and I did not understand or recognize like where I was in my life. It wasn't like I woke up and was like, who am I literally? But in metaphorically, I was sort of, who am I? And where did what did I do with the last three years? Yeah. And I and I almost I almost was like, what did I do to myself the last three years being out of school? Why did I make these decisions? And it was sort of this weird wake up call, but it also caused me tons of anxiety. So sure. yeah. it was sort of everything at once. And that's it that's why I understand completely what it's like to have that debilitating anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, the the brain I, the issues of the brain are so interesting. Like the, there was a man um, that I knew and was friends with in the mental hospital, and his depression manifested himself. I mean, this guy had been through every test there was. He had no, there was nothing wrong with his skin, yeah. nothing. But his depression manifested its, itself in that he felt like his arms were literally on fire really at all times and like it was like hell it's it was like, like a hell nerve disorder and or yes and he had been through to neurologists to mm-hmm. everyone and there was just no no one had any explanation other than just depression and anxiety sometimes present themselves in weird in Physical weird symptoms forms, yeah. yeah which was this i mean and and they he, he, they couldn't um I mean, they couldn't fix him, yeah. and he said no one knew what to do. It was, it was, it was so crazy. That's so it was fascinating. So, it's, yeah, it's like such a wild. Yeah, your brain is so powerful. Yeah, you know, and we because, only use tiny bit of it. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I almost think I've said this before, but I think people with mood disorders and things like that tap into another level of their brain, right? Perhaps that they're they using too we're much. Not even, yeah, yeah, and we're not even a trained to know how to handle right. that, right? Because we only know what we're what we're taught from right childhood yeah yeah i don't know it's um it's really interesting do you think your initial anxiety like the big anxiety that you had after coming off your medicine do you think you didn't have prior to taking that lexapro initially did you have really bad anxiety not that bad not that bad nowhere near like that i think i kind of think that and this is has there's no medical um, there's no medical science to back this up. Right. My kind of personal feeling is that all those years, those close to you know thirteen years or whatever that I was on Lexapro, that I felt great, yeah. and my life was good. I think in the background, my disease was continuing to progress. Right. You know, it was the the medicine was treating the symptoms, but the disease itself was still there and continuing to 
get worse and worse and yeah. worse. So all of a sudden when it came back, it was like – hundred times what I had ever right. experienced. It was so much worse because I was never – when I was first diagnosed as having depression and anxiety, I was never – I wasn't suicidal mm-hmm. and my anxiety never stopped me from doing anything. It just yeah. it just made me nervous. And and this time around, it stopped me from doing everything. Yeah. Um, I mean I that's similar in the concept of how it's almost like one traumatic thing unraveled everything else. Yes. Yes. Um, at once. Right. But that's interesting. I mean, I you think of it in the way last week I had this flu. So I took I was getting a fever and it was yeah. climbing higher and higher. I took medicine and it just leveled out my flu, temp, my temperature to like ninety nine point nine. Right. For a solid like six hours. But you know that if I hadn't taken that medicine, it would have kept climbing. Kept going, yeah. So that's how, that's how you, I think of it sometimes. Almost like you can't. It's sometimes. I mean, as much as I think medication is amazing for people it 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 can also mask things and not cure them but just hide them yeah i'm not i'm not uh particularly thrilled with the medicine i'm on now Mm -hmm. but it's what i have to do i mean i i I currently take um lithium Mm -hmm. i take an antidepressant and i take a, a benzo um so you know particularly uh, you know, the lithium and the benzodiazepine are two things I'd rather not be on. Right. Um, but I'd also rather live my life. Right. Than, you know, so it's like there's a trade off. Like, yeah. this is the combo that got me back on my feet. I'm not going to screw with it. It also yeah. it also makes my stomach hurt really bad, which is a bummer. And we've played with the doses and done all these things. But it's like, you know, if, it, if it's going to come down to a choice between – living in my parents' attic and hanging myself every once in a while or having a tummy ache, right. I'll take the tummy ache, right. you know? Like Got to compromise pretty easy, for your life. Pretty easy yeah. decision, you know? Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I, 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 just, I, I just, you know, sometimes I'll get like, like, you know, holistic health people kind of like in my ear because I'm very open about my situation. Yeah. Like, no, you can't take that stuff. It's poison. And it's like, well, you don't know my situation, right. you know? And like I I have a great respect for, for Eastern medicine and holistic health. And a lot of that stuff helped me. Meditation helped me, stuff like that yeah. helped me. But also you don't know my situation. And um, I wasn't functioning and I took – lithium and an antidepressant and and clonopin and now i am functioning yeah. so for you to tell me it's poison you know mind your own business right like, it's almost offensive yeah, yeah. It's, it's like you don't know my brain chemical yeah. dna and genetics and all of that you don't know what goes on and how these these medicines affect certain chemicals in someone's brain everyone's brain's unique it also so. belittles what you went through like to be like oh it can, we can cure it by just an hour-long session of yeah, yeah or like have you tried exercising yeah. like right. yes like, yeah. i have <laughs> i stayed up for six days yeah. walking yeah <laughs> that's like a same similar thing like it used to irritate me so bad when i first got sober like kind of like um i remember this one girl in particular would would get on my who I was kind of dating at the time would get on my case about drinking diet coke you know, like you know that's poison and it's like i just fucking quit cocaine yeah. like get off my back give me a break yeah, yeah. like let me i need a vice yeah. Yeah. some I understand vice to live. it's not great yeah. but like leave me alone it's better than the alternative <laughs> yeah yeah people need people not enough people live and let live yeah you know right. they just always feel the need to control yeah. what other people are doing right. and it's great if you have advice for someone, if you've gone through something to pass it on yeah. them, that's fine. But then to put them down for whatever is working for them is yeah. insane to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like they also assume that we as people with with, with mental illnesses aren't aware. Like I'm very well aware that there are serious and some unknown side effects to these drugs I'm taking. I'm yeah. very well aware that in the long term, they could be detrimental in some ways, yeah. like that they're not fully studied for, you know, for decades. Like, I, I know that. Yeah. Like, I'm making the choice myself. Like, right. you don't have to tell me. And if like, they come mm-hmm. out with medicines later that are 
one pill fixes all, yeah. then that's great. Right. Yeah. But you can't. Yeah. I mean, that's like saying I could either not live my life now. Right. And then or just prolong and like really try to live your life the best it can be until yeah. something with your medicine would cause right. you to readjust it. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I think it's there is definitely a stigma with lithium particularly. Oh yeah. I mean, it took me it's funny, it took a long time. I mean, lithium came up very early on in my treatment yeah. as a possible option. And it took over a year to finally do it. We yeah. tried everything be- before we tried lithium. Yeah. Just because it's kind of considered like the heavy hitter, yeah. you know, like it's People not People are always like, "Whoa, lithium." Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um uh, which is weird. I don't really know why. Now that I'm on it, I don't really know why because like the the side effects are are kind of mild and like I haven't I've experienced some weight gain, but really like it's not. I don't know. I like for, for my understanding of it was that it was like totally gonna zonk me out, yeah. like like change my personality. I didn't experience that at all. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I, I wish I would have tried it sooner. You yeah. know. I yeah. um. Because uh, I, boy, I've tried everything. I tried. I mean, it's scary to try different drugs. You don't know what's going to happen. I. This is. I don't know. How old are people that listen to this podcast? I mean, all A- ages. Adults? I think there's adults. Are there kids? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think kids. Okay. Necessarily. Well, you can edit this out <laughs> if it's a problem. But in the mental hospital one time, I I, I had my own room, and I masturbated, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> Nothing came out. I came and nothing came out. Well, and I was like, scary. I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> that's the I, final was like, I was like, this is it. I'm dead. It's like I was dust. looking around the room. Like maybe it went too far. Like I was, it was like, I was like, this is crazy. Like, and I had just gotten on a new medicine and I like the next morning I go right to the doctor. I'm like, I, did an air cum. <laughs> I did an empty cum. I ghosted myself. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor goes, oh, yeah, that'll happen sometimes with that pill. <laughs> like, It'll evaporate got, my semen. I'm like, you got to tell me. Like, cause it's it went another... in that guy's oatmeal. Yeah, That's yeah exactly. Right. That's where it was going. But it's like another example of like, you know, they don't want to tell you possible side effects, but it's like, well, that's not a side effect. Like, yeah. if it makes your semen go away, that's, that's the a, main effect. That's, that's birth control. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the primary effect yeah. of that pill. That's, Mental health is the side effect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're saying, it's like saying, okay, well, you might not be able to have kids because you literally won't have semen <laughs> yeah, coming out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was bizarre. I can imagine that's super scary. It was really scary. <laughs> And I'm sure you telling this, you're not alone because I'm sure other people have had those issues. People don't even talk about that. People have a hard enough time opening up about the medicines they're on, let alone the side effects that they well, particularly like it's such a like brutal trade off because so many of the side effects are sexual, yeah. And you know, Mm -hmm. and like that's a and like I've been blessed, like where I haven't had, I haven't really ever had to deal too much with um, erection problems from Mm -hmm. antidepressants, which so many men do. But I for sure have trouble uh, orgasming from yeah. from because of antidepressants. Yeah. Luck, luckily, the erection thing is like so many men have to make that choice. Yeah. Do I want to be sane right. or do I want to be able to get a boner? Right. Which is like which is a big trade off for men. Yeah, you know? huge trade off. <laughs> I would pick boner. I, yeah. I think I'd take boner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not alone there. I feel yeah. like a lot of men would say the same. Yeah, uh, and then like you can. I mean, sure, you can these days. You could. Get on, get on uh, Cialis or, or Viagra, but it's like you don't. I don't want to do it's that. Piling this on young. more. Yeah, I don't want to do that. This at my age, yeah. and then just be on that for the rest of my life. Like yeah. you know, it's so which could lead to later. Yeah, problems. Y- down yeah, the line exactly. Too. Like yeah. So it's um, interesting how all these medications do affect that because, I mean, even you know, Propecia is said to cause issues. Yeah, and and whatever it is, I know. There was some hair hair pill that someone invented because he couldn't have sex for so long beyond Propecia that he started this whole yeah. other hairline but or hair pill line that ended up working better. But it's crazy. It's weird that that's it seems to be the thing like uh, sexual function and sex drive does seem to be 
affected yeah. more than other areas of your body right. when it comes to side effects of medicine. I wonder if maybe more people would address their mental health issues if that wasn't such a trade-off. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like you said, it's I, I, I don't. That's not an exaggeration to say, like, you know, I, I think most of us would choose boners over like. Would just be sad with a boner. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I'll take a sad boner over no boner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a sad boner yeah. over a happy <laughs> can't get hard. Yeah. At least I have a boner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is such a terrible choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, but man. it's true. Interesting. So, how has dating been for you since? Speaking of sad boners, yeah. uh, you know, it's so funny. Like. I'm very upfront. Yeah. I mean, I talk about it on stage anyway. Yeah. So like, and I, I also am not gonna, I'm not gonna mislead a woman. Like, yeah. Like, I think, I think, it, I think it's a big enough issue. Like, like if I just had run of the mill depression, I don't think I have any obligation to to tell a woman. Right. But if I've lost a year of my life to to mental health issues, that could feasibly come back i do feel an obligation to give a woman a heads up like early enough on that she can make the decision she can make the decision whether she's willing to like to take a chance to hang in there yeah yeah yeah. because i mean like i think i don't think it will come back and i've been told by doctors normally these sorts of these sort of incidents when you have a big break yeah when they do come back they come back not as bad, right? And they more minor, you yeah. Know and they come back more minor, and then more minor, time. and then more minor. So, um, so in all likelihood, I'll be fine. But I, I've been really open about it, and not a single woman has uh, has had a problem with it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because like I mean, well, a I'm good at stand up, so yeah. they like that. Yeah, but, but <laughs> <laughs> so that helps. They're like, oh, well, he's good at stand up. <laughs> yeah. so. but B, uh, you know, I think. Most people are pretty nice, you know? Most yeah. people are pretty willing to, like, if they think you're a nice guy and they like you and they're having a good time right. with you, they're pretty willing to be like, okay, like, thank you for telling me that. Yeah. If it, I'm an adult, if it becomes a problem for me, I'll leave. Right. You know, but it, for now. Yeah, like, they're let's... not chained to you. Yeah, like... yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, they could relate to you probably in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Even right. if it's not as major or they didn't have as major of a break or anything. Yeah. Still, everyone's suffered from depression and anxiety at some point, whether it's due to a loss or just out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's also like it's not something new for me because I'm used to like, um, I'm used to kind of just having to disclose up front when I date that I'm sober. You yeah. know, so that's that's it's not new for me to have to tell a woman uh, a, a a strange thing about right. myself because I've always because that's always comes up right away because most dates are like let's go grab a drink yeah mm-hmm. and I'm always like okay I, that's great I don't mind being in bars at all all my friends drink all my yeah. friends smoke weed I have no problem with it but I just have to tell you I don't anymore if that's a deal breaker I totally understand yeah. and no one's ever had a problem with that yeah and so that's great too you know I think most people are like. Uh, just like uh, kind of appreciate you being yeah. honest with Completely. it, you know, or just like, okay, this guy's just tell- I And mean, that's what makes you a good yeah. stand up, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a good comic is honest. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I think most people, most women, and I'm seeing someone now. We, yeah. I, I'm not really day. I'm seeing one person now, and it's good. It's great. She understands, yeah. and uh, she's really cool, and uh, um, it's really supportive of me. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, if the person has a problem with it, they're not for you anyway. So right, yeah, it's no loss to you. Yeah, and I also don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame them. Right. Like I, I, you know, it's a risk. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be mad at someone if they were like, you know what, I want someone that hasn't tried to kill himself and been in a mental hospital yeah. and be like, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, you know? I mean, it definitely can be a territory that's scary for people to understand if they haven't sure. gone through it or don't really aren't open to that level of sure. conversation just sure. from their own lives. But I mean, it's definitely for me, at least it's not something that is, should be looked at 
in such an, I mean, obviously it's a horrible thing, but right. it shouldn't be looked at in, as the entire entirety of someone's character. No. And in fact, I think it's almost separate from their character. Yeah. You know, it's like if someone has cancer, mm-hmm. you don't associate that with them as a person. Right. No. You know, or you're just, like, if you were like, I have a broken arm, so I probably can't play catch today. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like, right. Understanding. That. Right. Right. Um, yeah, like I have bad knees. I can't run on the yeah. beach. Okay, yeah. so we'll do something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on to the next. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I. it's interesting how people react to different things you tell them up front. But it's good to be up front, I think, right off the bat. Well, it also, like, for me, I, I am lucky – to be in a creative field. Yeah. Because I do see, you know, I was in the hospital with people who had to sort of lie mm. about where they were because yeah. they were, or... yeah, because they're in a corporate, like, high intensity, like, like, it can't be, they can't let people know, you know, they're like, Which is you such know, a shame. Because... Executives that are, will be seen as a weakness, yeah. if it, you know, like. It's like they're unreliable candidates because yeah, they can't. Exactly. They can't maintain their mental health or their mental state or whatever right. it is, but. Meanwhile, every single person who's working in that office has those days where they're completely faking it. Yeah, or there's like, or the or the CEO is like a sexual harasser, or totally. half of them are drunks. It's right. like, yeah, everyone has have weird fetishes. Yeah, yeah, creepy. Like they're on those <laughs> sugar baby websites yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also it's it that whole thing you went through is part of your life and it's right. what made you who you are today because. So it's it should be something you're you're like proud that you got through. Yeah, I'm I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm proud that I made it through that. Yeah. I feel very good about it. I've I'm I'm not happy it happened. It was rough. Right. It was bad. But, but there's a silver lining. There's a silver everything. lining. Absolutely. Dude, the one man show, whatever that ends up becoming, is going to be great. Yeah. I hope so. There's another super talented comedian, more famous than me. That recently went through a very similar thing, and he's, I think, writing a show about it. And I'm like, "Fuck, he's gonna get, he's gonna Beat come out with his first. He's gonna come out with his first, and it's gonna be so good." Well, you know, um, the comedian Chris Gethard. Yeah, he did his. He did a yes. one man show yeah. about his um, mental health right. and everything. And yeah. I went and saw that, and it was really good. But I definitely, ju- just like any anything, I. Your story is unique. So right. I That's don't the thing. Think... I'm just going to tell my story yeah. and it'll be different. And you, you're your own person. Right. You have your own yeah. personality and sense yeah. of humor. So I think it'll yeah. be good. I don't think it'll. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see. I think it's we'll a, see. I think it's important, too. And a lot of there is this whole stigma with comedians being depressed people. But I think they're just more honest people that happen to have these issues that talk about them more than someone who's doing a job that is completely because as a comedian you you have to really reflect on your own life a lot more yeah. than people who are doing a job that they crunch numbers all day and disassociate themselves yeah. with yeah. who they are every day. Right. So I think it just I don't that stigma is weird to me and I I know why people think that but it it is I mean it could be argued in any way I feel. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a couple issues at play. I think A we're like you said. We're freer to talk about our depression. Yeah. So people consider us more depressed because yeah. we have, we're on stage with microphones and we know sad things can yeah. be funny. Yeah. So we talk about it more. And then B, I think part of what makes you a good comedian is, is observing yourself and observing the world around you. Really, really taking everything in. Yeah. And when you do that, it can be overwhelming and a little sad. Like yeah. when you, if you, if you're really like, like an empath. Yeah. Yes. Really, yes. Yeah. If you're really, if you really you're feel in tune with 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 the world and yourself, then you will likely be sad a lot of times. But also, I think, like, I do feel like I am being a comedian has something to do with me being a, de- a depressed person. But also, I feel like. When I'm happy or when I'm in love or when I'm, uh, you know, um, missing someone, I feel like those emotions are also heightened yeah. because of because I'm a create because right. I'm a comedian. I feel like just a, the, the way I observe artist. the world, like everything is like, you know, the highs are high and the lows are low because yeah. I'm like 
taking everything in right. all the time. Being empathetic it, and you're just a creative person, yeah. so it affects you more. Yeah. But that's not that's not we need people like that. Yeah. And yeah. it's it shows everyone a truth that they might have not otherwise seen. Right. And yeah. everyone likes to laugh. Yeah. And it's true, there is humor in literally everything, especially mental health. I mean it shapes you into the person you are in these weird situations you get yourself into. Yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's I don't know. It's been uh, I'm just happy to be back in New York and back doing podcasts like yeah. this and telling jokes and the whole thing. It's well, just... you're welcome on any time. Well, thank you. This yeah. is uh, this you is can really come back great on podcast. when you have your one man, man show. show. Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got any plugs? Any uh, uh, shows coming up? Uh, yeah, I'll be in um, uh, Minneapolis. Actually, specifically St. Paul, the the Twin Cities for New Year's. I'll be at the Joke Joint, um, December twenty eighth through the thirty first. So uh, I don't know if this podcast will be out by then, but come to that. And then I also host the Rad Dude Cast, which you can get wherever you get uh, podcasts. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, this was such a fun yeah. podcast. Thank you. Give your, on, man. G- Thank you so much. Seriously, that was amazing for opening up like that. Oh. And give your Instagram handle. So. Uh, Airbud, E-Y-R-E-B-U-D. It's a good handle name. No one ever gets the pun. You know why? They don't pronounce my last name. They don't pronounce it like Air. Yeah. Because no one reads Jane Eyre anymore. Right. So they <laughs> so they say Airbud. People don't know English anymore. <laughs> yeah. So they said Airbud, yeah. and then they don't understand the pun, and yeah. then it's stupid. So. You should just write it in parentheses in your bio yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Pronounced Airbud. <laughs> yeah. But that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it.